2: Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. We're back. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you. We are one week out from the draft. Sorry we missed you last week. Mario was feeling a little bit under the weather. Do you have any cool fever dream stories to tell us, though?
1: No, which sucks because
2: oh. I I was hoping to get some real crazy. It
1: sounded so insane, man. It wasn't that great. I mean, I, I guess I've never had the flu before because I, I always thought in my head, like, oh yeah, of course I've had the flu. I remember being like, you know, eight or something like that and kind of having a fever and throwing up and things like that. But, uh, this was different. Yeah. I got the crap beat out of me. I, I understand now how people can just like die from the flu. Uh, before I never really understood that. I was just like, ah, oh, that's old people stuff. Right. But now I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to get flu shots. Um, I got that just dominated for like seven days and I'm, I'm gonna have a cough now for like the next month to uh you know cough the cough was pretty bad it was just, I, I I underestimated the the kind of damage the the cough could have I was doing like I don't need to describe it on here it it, it wasn't um it, it was just kind of like the worst kind of stuff that can happen from coughing was happening oh man um okay. <laughs> yeah and then I I was also just like super I'm still tired like I'm still the weirdest aspect of this all is like i'm actually sleeping kind of well the past few days like i'm I'm not sick anymore like the fever's been gone since uh friday or something um but yeah i've, I've been like sleeping well which i never do and it's it's the only reason you do I'm, seem well <laughs> uh, no i'm still i'm still like kind of feeling weird but um yeah it's like I've, I've been sleeping like nine hours a night which is exactly twice as much as i normally do so that's weird hmm Anyway, I, I am I am ready to do football uh, nonsense again after being just uh, completely shut down for a week.
2: Yeah, this makes me reconsider my Cavalier stance on not having a flu shot. Oh, dude, I'm going to no do way. it from <laughs> now on. I can't do that again. Like I, I'm going to just kill myself That's, if I get that sick again. That sounds absolutely yeah. brutal. But let's jump into the meat of the podcast. We're going to get into uh, my mock draft, which uh, went up on the site uh on last friday so some of the bigger media mocks have come out since then they look different than, than this one does this is uh, my primary
1: is. way of learning about the defensive players and the offensive linemen this year it's like this is the gospel to me as it should be to you it's got uh pretty pictures and gifs and it does charts. actually embedded media it's, it's crazy this uh, the website how good it is now and oh. and of course the article you know harnessing it very well
2: well duh but um let's uh let's jump into it uh then i feel like the top five even if there are any implied shakeups from earlier earlier this week i'd be surprised if it really goes in in or outside of this combination of kyler murray nick bosa quentin williams josh allen and devin white
1: yeah i think you know i I was skeptical like a month ago whenever it was that arizona would uh commit to kyler murray at the first pick and move josh rosen you know with you know what regardless of what the market was for rosen and that's looking wrong i know like in the recent days daniel jeremiah has been like i don't know yeah, i'm the,
2: getting kind of the hedging i don't know yeah, it's
1: <laughs> like no they're gonna take murray it makes sense at every level because it's uh for, for the institutional explanations anyway it doesn't make sense from uh the cap or the the resource allocation stance but it makes sense for kingsbury because he gets a longer leash with a rookie and, and murray's just better than rosen as a prospect of course um but then also the kime the gm uh powerful buffoon uh he's just not very good at this but if he gets an exciting rookie quarterback he gets at least another year of leash too so So
2: you just get get to like break out like the the memory neuralizer from men in black and just let everyone forget that you traded up to get josh rosen last year no that's not a thing anymore you have to you have to focus only on kyler murray nothing else
1: yeah i'm assuming Kime had some role with the hiring of steve wilkes too so (laughs) it's just i mean that's that's it would be weird for a head coach to be hired without the gm's input so it's like pretty much everything bad about that team can be attributed to him and everything bad about the team is remarkably bad like it's like that team last year was really brutal to watch and they've just been trash for a while now like they've been in a a a weird you know they were in a weird like decline with carson palmer where they were just kind of like denying that they were declining the whole time Mm -hmm. and it's like no you're gonna have to pay this bill eventually and like the bill's still sitting there and kimes just like trying to find a way to move around credit and like pawn things for a little bit of leash a little longer after
2: 2015 when like it it became clear when they got i think they got just absolutely shelled by the panthers in the nfc championship game i want to say okay um after that they just kept on going with with like a, an all as well type of mentality and it just kind of ended with them being in this sort of limbo these past couple of seasons 16 and 17 going into this past fall where obviously the sky just started to fall and the the bill that you mentioned there started to be paid.
1: Yeah, so they uh the people who are looking to like keep their jobs and are in positions of power with the Cardinals have every reason to take Murray. So I think they will. And it's, it's obviously justifiable enough as it is just because Murray's such a good prospect, but I still think Rosen's good. I know people, people smarter than me have pointed out that, you know, as good as like rookie quarterbacks can, or or as much as quarterbacks can improve from rookie season to their second, you know, golf being the most memorable example lately, excuse me. Um, it's, it's, uh, not usually the case that it gets as bad as Rosen produced last year and they're still good. It's like, that's, that's just a different kind of bad that he was. But also uh, I think, I think you can kind of push back on that because uh, Bradford in his three starts was also bad in a way that he never was previously in his career. It was like, I think the whole sample was tainted yeah, and I still think treated. Rosen's good. Um, it's just like, if you, if you can accept the premise that Wilkes had a show running there that was so bad that no one could succeed, then it's easy to just kind of go back to last year it's like well what did you think of rosen as a prospect like well i think he's really good and uh you know if if bradford can be like 10 times worse than he ever was previously in his career then why wouldn't we assume that rosen had some sort of uh you know non-indicative uh production last year too so i don't know i think they would have been just fine with rosen but uh murray is the better prospect with that said
2: and you know Murray can actually move around. So if the, if that offensive line isn't fixed, isn't a fixed product come week one of this year, which I doubt it will be, uh, you know, not with time in charge. Nope. Nope. So he'll he'll uh, he'll at least have the athleticism to, like, get get away from some guys. Whereas Rosen, I will admit, uh, for as much as I do like him and still like him. Uh, Jay Gruden will make him an all-pro if Washington trades for him. No question.
1: I I mean, Gruden Gruden is a really good coach, and he's made good quarterbacks out of much
2: worse ones. Yep, yeah. The old chicken crap, chicken salad type of... uh. Uh, yeah, definitely. Use uh, the PG version of that analogy there. Yeah.
1: This is a PG podcast for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, that team fit makes a lot of sense and it would work out well for Rosen, uh, and, and Gruden
2: certainly. I think so too. So after you get outside the top five, I was talking to, to Liz about this on, on the radio yesterday, how, in my opinion, there's kind of a drop off in terms of, who the giants are going to have available for them at, yeah. at six. Um, so I personally think the giants should shop this pick. Um, and I, I think that they could not that getting a quarterback in the first round is a bad idea. I think they do need to find, find Eli Manning's replacement as soon as possible. But at the they same don't time, need a if, replacement they, if they don't free, think that it's going to be Dwayne Haskins and don't like, force the issue, just go ahead and like get, get him next year and tank this year so you can get the number one pick next year and play the long game and accumulate some picks along the way. But if they stay there at six and they don't take Haskins, I don't really know what direction they would go in. I think that Montez Sweat, uh, out of Miss State, the edge rusher would be a bit of a reach there. Uh, A couple other guys. I saw uh, one of the mainstream mocks from this week. Uh, It might just be out of boredom or wanting to shake things up the way that Josh Jacobs being mocked fifth overall uh, earlier in in the draft season. This is not recent but daniel jones as as a possibility to the giants at six which at which point no. i would just lose my mind
1: no i think it makes a lot of sense for the giants to take jones but i think it would be at 17 i don't think it would be at six i think ed oliver if he's there as your mock suggests here I th- i think Like, while they might not have a particular need for what he does, I think he's the kind of player you just make room for. So, um, I don't know. That doesn't mean that I think the Giants will pick him because I don't expect the Giants to do much in particular that makes any sense these days. But uh, Daniel Jones at 17, I think, would make a lot of sense. But I don't think even uh Gettleman could possibly sell to the world the idea I don't think I don't think there's any team stupid enough to take Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins if that happens man that 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 team's fan base just needs to quit they need to boycott that team that would be just egregious in a way that I I can't really recall like there's no there's nothing that bad that has ever happened I don't think in the draft
2: (laughs) that would be that would be unreal and you know when I was uh, researching for this mock I, I looked a little bit closer at Haskins there are some things to his game that I I, or some flaws to it that that I hadn't really honed in on previously that I think are legitimate concerns about him in the in the long term maybe yeah. I don't think he is as polished as I, as I previously thought but good lord I mean he's still so clearly the second best quarterback in this class and it's really not even like number three is not that close yeah Daniel Jones's numbers in, I mean i don't think drew lock is particularly good but lock
1: is way better than jones uh tyree jackson is better than jones uh probably easton stick is better than daniel jones give me
2: will greer over over daniel
1: will greer is better than daniel jones um yeah so it's it's ridiculous but if the giants take him it would be kind of like this dark poetry kind of thing because it would be such an eerie parallel to uh dave brown who they picked way back in like 1992 in the supplemental draft so it's not a perfect analogy but he is from duke he was terrible at duke and they spent a first round pick in that supplemental draft which (laughs) them being as stupid as they were just as they are stupid now they ended up having the worst record in the league. First overall pick on Dave Brown. Cursed their team for like six years. He was terrible. Oh my God. Um, is that why people don't really use the supplemental draft anymore? Is, it, is he like the cautionary? I don't tale? know. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a economic, political reason for fewer good supplemental draft uh, like actual applicants or something. But uh, back in the 90s and 80s, they loved doing that stuff. Like Dallas spent a first-round supplemental pick on Steve Walsh after they picked Troy Aikman. Sure uh very stupid but they were like well one of them was good so we were smart actually <laughs> right uh but yeah back anyway like yeah they used to i feel like uh like chris carter might have been if not him I, th- I feel like rob moore or somebody like that was a supplement but yeah back in like the 80s and 90s a lot of supplemental draft picks some were actually good dave brown was not and that's who daniel jones will be to the giants if they pick him i hope they take him at 17 because it's like I don't have anything against Jones like if he gets paid a lot of money to, to you know it's like winning the lottery at the Giants expenses that's kind of funny yep. Um. but he's not going to go ahead of Haskins I just I, I think Gettleman could be the dumbest man in the world and I still don't think I would condemn him to that kind of prediction like I I just
2: I don't think the world is that bad no and yeah it would be something if it if it were but at, at this point i think that the daniel jones late push up to you know number two quarterback on some people's boards nope i think it's just noise nope. um, you can't so, do it you can't do it uh, the, a uh an analogy that i know you like to use and i think it, it fits a little bit here and it, it's got a bit of a giants tie-in too actually is like when people tried to make ryan the sib a thing a few years ago right that was that was one of the
1: that was i guess the case like that was the most like the most insane one it was uh, the general media took it hook line and sinker it was initially pushed pretty aggressively by russ landy i don't know how his name is pronounced but he's like 15 years ago he was kind of like i don't know like he might have held the space that mcshay holds now something like that like he was he was kind of like uh the the convenience store brand version of Kuiper, something okay. like that. But yeah, general media took it hook, line, and sinker. Like, even I, uh, faulted at the end and was like, oh, fine, they'll, they'll take him. But with the, they had two first round picks that year, if I remember right. Um, but I was like, they're going to take him with the second one, not the sixth over or the first overall, whichever it was. And, uh, he ended up falling to the fourth round, and I was like, never again. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I got you know burned for that because I was using the same logic on Josh Allen. I was just like, no, this is I, – I don't think you guys are this dumb. Um, but to be clear, Josh Allen is a very different case from even Daniel Jones because at least Allen has you know the actually insanely strong arm, the athleticism. Jones has a little bit of athleticism, but he's not as athletic as Allen, and his arm is like a – uh pop gun like basically it's 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 nonsense that he's even being discussed as uh, the similar league as you know haskins or or lock so um but yeah anyway i uh, went a little bit on a tangent there sorry
2: it's good it's good i mean uh so those are the those are the two quarterbacks that i have going early early and then i actually have denver uh pulling the trigger on drew Locke. makes uh, a lot of sense to go get him um I think if other teams do have the the quarterback thirst I think that other teams if the Redskins don't already have Rosen by this point or have plans in place to get him uh maybe they would be the ones that would consider jumping up uh, after Haskin goes off the board to get a Drew Locke and I think the Dolphins also would would consider uh Drew Locke but I think Elway really has a thing for him from everything that I've seen and I, I know that like I don't talk to John Elway, so I don't know this for for a fact, but it, it just it feels like the stars are aligned between the Broncos and Drew Locke. And I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen, whether it's a, a trade up situation at seven or it happening at 10.
1: Yeah. And you can you can imagine why it would be easy for Elway to like Locke. Like it kind of looks like him on the field. Like he's pretty athletic. The strong arm, of course, you, you watch him and you're like, he's wily. He, uh, you know, maybe not super consistent but the highs are you know pretty legitimately high so i don't think he's the kind of quarterback that i would take that high but the theory is at least there the tools are there and i certainly think he's a lot better than like blaine gabbert was as a prospect um it's then that's not like easy revisionism or anything like a lot of people didn't think gabbert was very good right so i don't know how much that's worth but i think Locke is better and i it's not it's not a pick that i disagree with disagree with enough to actually
2: like criticize if they do it yeah i think that yeah it just seems to make sense and obviously like uh you know they have flacco for now but they they need to start thinking about the future uh in in some sort of serious way because these patchwork guys like aren't going to make uh sense in the long term and i you know oa has all the job security in the world seemingly at at denver but i mean how much longer if with these failed quarterback picks potentially or or these fill-ins can he really survive
1: yeah i think
2: I'd be pretty optimistic
1: as like, as long as Fangio is as good as I'm hopeful that he is. And I think he could be pretty good there because the defense should be good at the very least. And I can't, I don't remember the guy's name. He's got a funny name, but the offensive coordinator hire, uh, he, he's he got a lot of experience at like the FCS level. And uh, it seems like a little bit forward thinking. Kind It seems like he's ostensibly like another Kyle Shanahan kind of hire. So if that guy turns out to be good, you know that first month in in Denver is always an easy way for them to start fast at each year because the teams take a while to adjust to the conditions there, and it's it's generally a, a a very advantageous home field. So I can imagine Locke, especially if it's the Fangio kind of defenses that we've come to expect, it could be like a pretty low pressure scenario. And you know Hamilton's vaguely promising, Sutton is promising, so they got two good running back prospects. Seems like it could be a pretty
2: advantageous spot for him interesting I, yeah i think that's that's uh it's a a brighter look at the team context and i like kind of elway will still do everything else wrong
1: but it uh, it it just just because of kind of like fangio and and you know the currents uh
2: it's it's just like a better place to play than others too yeah i think that i think that that makes sense it's a good way to sum it up so if lock ends up there i think that that'd be a good starting point whereas you know like it I'm not saying completely it would it would go this way but maybe like if you were to go to miami the recipe for disaster type of angle oh yeah enter into the fold a little bit more but let's move on skill position guys um <coughs> so i had metcalf dk metcalf going number 10 to the jaguars uh what did you make of that in terms of team fit and also you know where he goes draft position wise i'm I don't feel like I'm in a position
1: to really have a good idea of what the Jaguars intend to do because I think Metcalf would make totally good sense and even if we don't specifically expect it like picks like that happen all the time where it's we all have our consensus projection like maybe the Bills instead like oh they have you know more of a receiver need or something like that and they've got Josh Allen and they got a build around him but sometimes uh things just go dif- you know no one saw the the matt millen lions taking three top five receivers or whatever it was uh so metcalf is a guy that a lot of teams can fall in love with and uh, i can imagine him going sooner than 10 i can imagine him falling further than 10 but uh with jacksonville it's like i guess whether they're zeroing in on a receiver might depend on what they think of chark a little bit too because he was he was one-dimensional coming out of lsu but he's got a lot of athleticism to work with and it wouldn't be surprising if he turned out to be pretty good, and it seems like Westbrook at the very least is good. In the meantime, um, but Keelan Cole I think turned out to be fool's gold. Basically, I remember last year people were pretty high on him, and I I hated the prospect profile because he was like old, skinny, not fast, and uh, I, I would just kind of didn't buy in. But he had that really efficient year. Uh, not so much last year. It's like whereas Westbrook, even Moncrief uh, were able to stay vaguely productive with. You know, not vaguely. I guess you know, just it didn't get as bad as it could have been with Kessler and Bortles being as bad as they were. Right, uh, but yeah, Cole still was a total dud. So if if they envision like a three receiver kind of offense or like an up tempo kind of offense that attacks downfield, it
2: would make a ton of sense to get Metcalf there. I think you know the the Jaguars could go a couple different ways with, with this pick, and uh, I've seen a lot of uh, smoke about you know maybe them going after Hawkinson or something. I think if they keep the original I so. seven i think that's a bit rich i think, I think people th- are over projecting the tight ends i think so too. the iowa guys i think so too and then i mean uh i think the jaguars could also go after a tackle but i don't i didn't really find that any of the tackles were good enough to be uh top 10 type of guys and certainly not juan taylor from florida There was a lot to not like about uh, his tape and he had uh just saw a tweet from mike renner from pro football focus yesterday that he had like 12 penalties last year or something which is not, remarkably high is that bad um but yeah i think
1: i think jacksonville might make sense for trying to trade down too just because if um i don't know if if especially if haskins and lock are both gone by like the eighth pick i don't know i guess maybe maybe there's nothing to trade up for after those two but if the jones stuff is real maybe i don't know something like that but yeah the, the jaguars have since they've invested so heavily in Foles. it's like the quarterback was all otherwise like their only really obvious need i would say yeah uh, offensive line could be better like you said um don't know if they'll be in a position to capitalize on that there but metcalf would make a lot of sense for their uh you know trying to get the most out of the Foles investment
2: yeah i, th- I think so too i think they need a, a day one impact guy and like it, if chark does have like the developmental upside i i'm not sure that it's gonna it wouldn't be, be this, year. this year so i think yeah. where it whereas that's the case i think metcalf would presumably be a week one starter and week one impact type guy so i think the jaguars do need that and you know i pointed out in in the analysis too that the guys that they would be presumably starting uh if they just go into the year are all like six foot or less and like 25 pounds or less i mean they need some size outside and some speed too yeah
1: shark is probably the biggest at like six two or something like that and he's kind of not skinny necessarily but he's he's not well nobody well, I, think I, I think i was leaving him out of those first three actually yeah just uh just like you know f- for whatever he's included uh it's like even even if you go four deep then it's like you're you still don't have a six three six four kind of target but yeah it, this isn't saying anything but yeah none of those guys are metcalf just as basically no one is metcalf but six three two twenty eight with four three three and just you know totally
2: good tape it's like just there's not in my opinion that much to think about with him nope and you know, if you, you want to nitpick his ability to run slants, why are you, why are you running him with <coughs> slants? Is just all I'm going to say about that. Uh, moving to the next pick, maybe this is too much of me drinking the consensus Kool Aid, but I, I did have uh, the Redskins going up and getting uh, Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State, a guy who's been polarizing for us on this podcast, or we, we haven't been particularly polarized on him. We've been pretty much in lockstep that like he's good but like he's not as uh, godlike as some other people have kind of positioned themselves to think Uh, but maybe this is a little bit of me buckling to that and and assuming that he is going to be like the second uh, receiver off the board but things have kind of changed I feel like even since this mock was posted and maybe uh, there's been a bit of a cooling here and maybe Butler's not one of the first two three uh, receivers off the board and certainly not going to be picked at like pick 11 like I had here I'm, I think, lower on Butler than most people in the industry, but
1: I don't necessarily, I don't really, you know, I, I think, I think you're being a little too hard on the projection, basically, because I don't think it would be shocking if he went 11th. I don't, I don't particularly expect it, but if Metcalf- if Metcalf goes, then we're down to basically just Butler as far as like the big fast receiver uh, types, so. If you're a team, they might not even know that they view it this way until they're kind of under the gun the day of the draft. But if you're a team that's just kind of got it you're in the first round, mid first round, and you kind of got it in the back of your head like, well, we can always take Butler. I'm not worried like I'm, I we'll always have that. And then all of a sudden you develop the thought in your head, the, the realization more so like, well, maybe we don't have him uh, that can kind of just impulse is a thing you know short-sightedness is a thing that happens in the day of the draft when uh they're on the clock or not so weird things like that can happen and uh washington has like the personnel justification for it certainly because it's like richardson's coming off the acl even if he is fine they don't have any size at receiver that's any good really like robert davis i guess could do something but like robert
2: davis (laughs) yeah i like robert davis
1: he's fine but he did get hurt and i don't know if they're going to stand by him and uh Otherwise, it's like Josh Doxon, I don't believe is himself. Like I think he's basically damaged goods. So
2: yeah, that heel. I don't know what's up with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't him being so plotting just is so out of care, out of uh, type. You know, it's like he 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 murdered the combine. He made all kinds of athletic explosive plays at TCU and even Wyoming before that. Uh, But in the NFL, doing nothing, and certainly whatever he is, isn't a downfield threat. Like he's proven that much. So, um, if they mean to have that aspect of a passing game, then Butler would. If if they're fixated on like the big target, that would basically be like their last chance.
2: Yeah, I think so. So that that's kind of. That's kind of why I went with him as a possibility there, and I do think the Redskins, uh, if if not in the first round, then certainly in the first two rounds, are going to address that position because I think that there are so many question marks there. And you, at this point, like you are saying, you just can't count on Josh Doxson in the long term, so you you got to kind of after Butler, it's the basically and go and just go on after Butler. It's basically Miles Boykin,
1: right? Like that's kind of all as far as of that type of like athletic and tall. Like that's
2: kind of the yes. last one. Uh, yeah okay and he's you know like several notches down in terms of talent
1: yeah so um in any case i, I as much as i like i wouldn't specifically expect that scenario I, I don't think there's anything i don't think there's anything wrong with the projection i think it's all sound premises
2: fair enough well thank you um so moving forward uh we got a couple <coughs> couple other skill position guys and then we'll we'll uh switch topics here but um let's see so i had hawkinson going at 12 to the packers
1: yeah i like hawkinson i just don't buy it as much as i have him safely ahead of fant i don't buy the idea that hawkinson is more than like a top 25 ish kind of talent like i think he'll be totally good but he's definitely more of like todd heap to me than like jeremy shockey or you know some other top 10 pick he's he's no oj howard to me certainly uh i don't think he's an evan ingram necessarily even i think he's good um i don't know what to expect of the packers they're kind of in a weird place as an organization they i don't know if they're going to adhere to their past tendencies as reliably as they did under the ron wolf years but uh yeah jimmy graham is kind of a just a you know a curse on their on their finances right now and yep. they they can't really get rid of him because like they've i don't know that they, they need to replace him in the long term but it's like they can't really do it this year um in a way that'll you know they'll still need to play graham basically even if they take hawkinson but um if they're keeping the long view hawkinson i think i don't think he'll be like a bust at 12 i think it's like if if people are expecting him to be like a you know Jason Witten kind of career or something I wouldn't expect that even Jason Witten you know s- 7 times out of 10 in other dimensions doesn't have a career like he did um but that's kind of the absolute best case scenario he's more like a Hunter Henry than he is you know a OJ Howard
2: okay I, I think that um maybe we discuss like a bit of like a Kyle Rudolph comp for him or I think
1: he's better than that trajectory. for what it's worth but i i I was never that big of a Rudolph head a lot of people were really psyched on him. It's easy to forget, but people used to project him in like the top 10 and stuff like that. Cause he was a five star recruit at Notre Dame and oh, okay. people were just kind of deferring to his, uh, recruiting ranking. Um, but yeah, I, I do think Hawkinson is better
2: than Rudolph. Uh, I, I think he's a good
1: player. Definitely.
2: Well, well speaking of recruiting ranking, um I, I, with my next pick, not a skill guy, but a, a guy who was the number one overall player in his class <coughs> a couple of years ago. And this Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. Um, he's a guy that I couldn't really decide what to do with because the athleticism is pretty crazy. The, the size isn't great for someone who I think projects better on the inside. But. Um, but the production is really bad. Right. He's really, really light. So I, I definitely have him outside of go, going outside the top ten. Um, whether he goes between picks ten and twenty, that's another story. I think at, at thirteen to the Dolphins that, that need a little bit of help. At you know after Cameron Wake and, uh, was gone, I thought that uh, looking at the measurables and how they compare to some other guys in the past, I thought the Adelis Thomas comp was kind of interesting. Adelius Thomas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. He was a late round pick, I think. He was Yeah.
1: But, uh, he was obviously really athletic and he had a pretty didn't memorable have a true position, memorable, like three year run there or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of a guy like Gary just categorically. I, I have to admit, I haven't watched any tape of him, but generally my process is when I see numbers like that, I'm like, I don't care who you are. <laughs> like, but then workout numbers like he had make me go oh maybe I do care but I don't I don't know if I am really that psyched on the idea of taking a player like him in the top half of the first round with that said the dolphins would only have so many options if things played out this way i mean there's no quarterback really worth their time uh they do have the actual need and if gary does you know realizes t- the tools that he has he could be really good i mean kind of similar category of player i guess jabril jabril peppers different position of course but he took a big turn last year and you know basically redeemed his pick selection at least for similar, a year
2: similar recruiting profile too i mean right peppers, I think all the theory
1: yeah it's all theory with both guys and sometimes sometimes it works i mean when you're that athletic you don't even have to be that good at the game to still be productive so could work um I wouldn't exactly like criticize the pick if they took him there but it, it's it's easy to imagine like the bust sort of risk with Rashawn Gary
2: yeah it, it's definitely there so I mean that I, I think realistically there there's no way he falls that far just with, with the things that he has going in his favor but I, I think it's Definitely one of those situations where, you know, whoever takes him needs to, needs to understand that there are uh, w- warts to his overall uh, profile. Uh, moving back a little bit, um, so my next skill guy off the board goes to the Giants, A.J. Brown at, at pick 17. The more I think about this and the more I think about my rationale here, I think that, you know, I think the Giants do need to get a receiver, but A.J. Brown might not have the speed component uh, that they need that they need to kind of replace Beckham nobody is going to replace Odell Beckham one-to-one but I think maybe maybe like a Hollywood Brown or or just waiting until round two and getting a Mecole Hardman I think might make more sense in terms of getting a field stretcher or Emmanuel Hall too
1: yeah I think I think that strategy for them would be totally viable I wouldn't criticize them if they took AJ Brown it's one of those things where yeah, in theory, you would like a perfectly balanced personnel group. But even if he doesn't specifically stretch the field, it's like AJ Brown is good at enough things that the Giants need someone to do that he's totally good pick there. Sterling Shepard has some speed; he ran like a four-four-seven or something like that. And Evan Ingram is—I think—with Evan Ingram and Barkley, the kind of unprecedented speed they both present from their respective spots can kind of lift some of that burden and maybe let help them get away with their lack of outside speed but I think Brown is totally legit I wouldn't be that surprised if him and Metcalf went within like three picks of each other or something like that because there's just no offense that exists where they're like we don't know what to do with this guy we we have no use for a player like this they all can use him
2: yeah exactly and, and he showed last year that he can do inside or outside in terms of uh, his ability and obviously with them having Golden Tate and uh, <coughs> Sterling Shepard it feels like AJ Brown would be pushed out to the outside. I think he'd be their best receiver pretty much right away. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So um it would be a good pick for them. I'm not sure if they end up going that, that route, but you
1: they, would think that Gettleman as much of an uh you know, strident i don't know headstrong oaf that he is he still is probably i mean we all would feel the pressure to specifically get odell beckham's replacement after all the criticism for that trade so um it it would make a lot of sense for them to go quarterback receiver uh in the the first two picks there it would actually make sense for them to take a receiver at the first one jones at the second but if there is you know incredibly stupid as the, the some of the reports these days are implying then yeah like uh Jones at, at the first pick and and Brown whoever the receiver is, Butler anybody, might be the second one. Uh not to diminish the Haskins uh projection at all because sure. that would make a lot more sense uh than what they might be liable to do.
2: Yep, so yeah, the Giants uh we'll see that what they do with the with the first two picks uh or their first two picks next week is going to be nuts. Um moving back a little bit further, so uh I had let's see a few different uh, receivers go late uh, here in the in this. And Keel uh, like, at nineteen to Tennessee. Oh yeah, gosh, I, I glossed right over that. I uh, I had the toughest time, I think, picking for the. Tigers. They're a tough one because it's like their
1: need is oh sorry i didn't mean it like they have a pretty well put together roster despite how like bleak they were to watch last year the offensive line was the biggest issue and i don't know what they can really do with that pick as far as that goes
2: yes i don't know the the guy's name off the top (coughs) of my head but but someone who's been discussed in, in the first round as an interior offensive lineman is the center from uh from mississippi state okay um, and he seems to be someone that that a lot of people are are particularly high on so maybe he's an option there more so than like an eric mccoy out of texas a&m or a garrett bradbury i like garrett bradbury a fair bit and he's he's versatile enough to play uh you're hoping that your ravens get him i am i am hoping that i think that the ravens need to really bolster that front if they're going to run it as much as i think they're (coughs) going to so i thought bradbury would make sense if if the ravens pick there but again back to uh back to the titans there for a second i just totally struggled i think he, this was like the last pick that I ended up like actually writing up in this mock just because it was just so tough to really rationalize which one which way i wanted to go with this but at the end of the day i know that they obviously picked Corey davis a couple years back in the top 10 and they signed adam humphreys humphreys is going to play the slot third
1: yeah, yeah so the, i think it needs to be in like i don't know i, f- I feel like harry would be good outside but i think he would be ideally in basically a keenan allen kind of role where you try to get him in the slot as much as possible it, it might make sense for tennessee to double up on that spot if, even if they think of him the same way just because Humphreys isn't that good he's not going to do anything there uh doesn't make sense to plan around this assumption that he'll be there for the next four years or something so uh yeah i think harry would make totally good sense there i, I gotta mention if Hakeem Butler does make it to 19, though, I feel like it would. If if it would be an interesting thing because it would be like an insight into how much control Vrabel has. I feel like Vrabel's gonna want Butler. I think I think Vrabel has that just like blockhead brain where he would just be like and especially with like the lessons that he took away from last year. It's just like Derrick Henry big offense, big offense. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Big (laughs) Big offense is good. I I can see him just concluding that and just like got to get huge guys.
2: (laughs) Everyone's 240. You're not playing for me. And you know what? Um, Hakeem Butler is big. So
1: yeah. So and and it would also make sense because it would you know the vertical element he, he would make things easier for davis probably in the tight ends or whatever but uh they have they have a well put together defense in tennessee and so they don't really have needs there uh if, if they don't have an offensive lineman they like it would make a lot of sense to go receiver whatever way
2: yeah i, I thought so too and um uh, maybe so i've seen some arguments for for finding delaney walker's uh era parent uh, john is fine ready to give up on john is yeah. good and they also like that ferkser a lot from
1: last year um whatever <laughs> I don't know he he played a bunch so sure?
2: they're not going to take a tight end no I don't I don't think so either I have the Steelers going after <coughs> Noah Fant at 20 actually I know there's a lot of uh, projections of cornerbacks uh, going to the Steelers I didn't love any of the cornerbacks enough to put them at 20 um, I thought that Fant f- uh, filled a need I'm not all in on uh, the Steelers going into next season with only Vance McDonald at tight end even though that you know he's he signed for at least two more years, I think. With- yeah, I think Vance is totally good, but
1: um, the, the Steelers are also one of those teams that just don't really have that many needs. I guess they could still be looking to add to their inside linebackers a little bit. I, Vince Williams had his workload decreased a bit last year, but you'd rather have him just not playing at all.
2: And there, there wouldn't be... A, a linebacker a middle linebacker worth taking right 20 because devin white and devin bush will be long gone before then
1: right so they could be one of those teams that have like basically a luxury pick scenario because you know they're not going to take a quarterback they i think they could take receiver but i i feel like they're gonna try to get something out of washington and i think Moncrief can play Eli Rogers knows the system really well. Him and Switzer could both be pretty good slot receivers, so they don't really need it. And even if they like McDonald and are basically you know committed to him as far as his contract goes, it's like Fant is one of those guys who I think it's very obvious is not going to start fast. Like I think he's. when i watch him on tape i'd never suspect if you at least if you based on like the first five to ten yards of any given route that him and hawkinson are respectively running i would never assume that Fant is the more athletic guy he doesn't play as fast as his tools as would lead you to believe so i think he's going to be like even even some of the tight end miles boykin right even well even some of the best tight ends take a few years to get good it's the general assumption of the position it's rare to have a Jeremy Shockey or something who has a big f- blazing fast start right. like Jason Witten didn't do anything on till his second year so um when you when you're raw or at least i think he's raw because otherwise i don't know how to explain why he seems to be slow off the snap if not for the fact that he or you know with if not for the the premise that you know he's processing more than Hawkinson does like Hawkinson has more functional uh, burst even though he's slower and can't jump as high because he just knows what he's doing right away or something like that okay. um fan could a light could go on and in that case then the tools are you know fully in play and, he, and that's the scenario where he could be really good but i think the far more likely one is he has like a jared cook kind of trajectory where it's like you're two and three you're waiting for this guy to be as good as his training t- camp tape or something but it just doesn't really happen. I wouldn't be shocked if he's much better for his second team than the team that drafts him, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. But the Steelers are, are, in any case, in a position where they don't need him to give them that fast return, and so it would at least be like you know more favorable. Pressure for the kind of trajectory that he needs
2: yeah and and you know if nothing else you know if the, if he can't really do your traditional uh tight end type of tasks <laughs> i think he's he's still athletic enough to be a, a bit of a mismatch creator yeah once uh, he gets to I've the seen. open
1: field he's definitely athletic there it's like i just don't know if he no know, know i don't really know if he he understands instinctively like how to process the the congested part of the field i think he kind of like flinches a little bit but once he knows what he wants to do it's like
2: oh yeah he's he's really fast he can jump very high for sure so i i do foresee him going somewhere in the first round if not the steelers i'm not sure exactly where but i do think he ends up in the first round And then i believe the last uh skill guy i have going off the board uh with the third pick of the first round for them uh the oakland raiders going after marquise brown
1: yeah so that would make plenty of good sense uh I think any cousin. offense could use him so it seems with the hype picking up lately assuming it's you know true basically then that would seem to indicate that team doctors are totally okay with the foot injury in which case I was a I was a clear Marquise Brown fan before that injury I think I had him in like the first year yeah with like uh N'Kiel and Metcalf and AJ Brown and I I'm i think higher on those three than i expected to be a few months ago like none of those guys disappointed in workouts and stuff like they all killed it like harman was the only disappointment at receiver really that we had ranked high going in now he's gone um but yeah so it's like i feel like metcalf and brown especially might have added to their stock between uh back then and now so I don't know if I have, I would have Brown ranked a Marquise Brown that is ranked alongside them, but I'm, I'm a fan if he's healthy. Like I, I think he's an awesome player. I think any offense could use him pretty much. He's of course limited by his size, but uh you know, just run a three receiver offense and <laughs> don't, don't have him block. If you, if, if you want to create some space, have him pretend he's running a route, the corner will go with him. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I feel like you can get you know, you can get them on the field no matter what kind of scheme you run, as long as you're not too stupid. And uh, if the foot's okay, I'm not worried about that. That I feel like that was very shallow analysis that circulated a lot during the combine when it was like no receiver who is uh whatever 167 or less or Something whatever. Like has done whatever and i don't even think that's true Deshaun jackson weighed like 165 or something he he was uh i think lighter than marquise brown weighed in there but in any case that's not his true weight like whatever he, what he, he, so he was he would have
2: post-surgery at that point
1: yeah like guys on crutches with a broken foot that he had surgically repaired and you're like ah that's what he'll be like in a year from now it's like no he he's you can't lift you can't do squats and things like that with a broken foot so yeah. i think he would have been like 175 something like that if he had been totally healthy and if the foot's not a concern it's just like look at the tape stupid and, and like also like like we know what dd westbrook is in the nfl he's at the very least like an average starter and marquise brown is better in every respect
2: yep i think that yeah he he you know i, I thought it was interesting that they i think the raiders have jj nelson too which is, physically looks pretty similar and has <laughs> similar games but uh even still he's like another 20 pounds lighter oh is he really he's like 155 yeah he really smokes um but yeah i think i really really like hollywood brown and you know again with with ian Rappaport tweeting out that teams have been encouraged with uh with the recovery from from uh brown surgery i think that he really is like a top three uh receiver talent in this draft so i think the raiders I, i'd be surprised if they go all <coughs> all either trench or defense with with their three first round picks i think they, they would do something to to bolster the offense and i know they've done a lot of that in free agency as well with antonio brown and tyrell williams and and again uh jj nelson and i I think that that makes it would make them a candidate to go after a running back here but there isn't one that's worth taking i don't think they will so i don't even think john gruden brain has an interest at a running back there i hope not so i think that brown made a plenty of sense there and i threw some gifts in there uh he is just ridiculously explosive and the play speed is insane so baker mayfield said he's
1: he's got another gear than westbrook and westbrook had like a four three eight at, at oklahoma pro day i think so he's he's gonna be just fine
2: if the foot is okay that was my only concern at any point yes agreed so all right that wraps it up for for our mock um anything else that you wanted to get into uh today
1: oh uh, no that's uh yeah I, I, well,
2: we had some uh oh we wanted to talk about this uh bef- coming in some uh receiver ranks uh so give us a little bit of background on the bob mcginn uh anonymous poll thing well he's been for a
1: very long time until recently uh milwaukee journal sentinel guy He was like him and rick gosselin basically for the 90s and 2000s early 2010s were like the foremost nfl draft insiders And uh, McGinn runs his own website now, which is a subscription site. So I can't access the full rankings, but uh, someone put them into circulation yesterday uh, for the top 10 at receiver. And this is McGinn uh, aggregating ostensibly what he's hearing from scouts. I don't know what method that is specifically. He, He has no reason to disclose it or even describe it but he has some sort of consensus that he extracts from his sources. And I don't think he would even claim to have like an insider in every team's case or something like that, but he, he aggregates what he hears best as he can discern. And uh, it goes DK Metcalf at one for receiver Marquise Brown, two and Harry three, AJ Brown, four Paris Campbell, five Ridley Ridley at six Debo Samuel at seven Hakeem Butler, eight miles Boykin, nine, Micole hardman 10 now the hardman part of that is i would probably put him a little higher even but good good on those guys for finally uh putting out at least the the idea that me hardman is pretty good just keep even now seeing people say like fifth round sixth round no <laughs> uh, it's like, no it's not not gonna happen uh he's not gonna play corner He's gonna play a receiver and he's gonna be one of the best receivers in this very good receiver class. So uh, it was good to see him getting some some exposure there. But Riley Ridley at six, no. Nope. It's it's uh I, I can understand. I can believe like some teams are that, you know, dumb and bad at evaluating talent. I but think if this was
2: January and we're so early in the process, maybe like there, there's some r- basis and rationale for for really liking riley really because the film looks pretty good but like everything since then you're just like okay the production wasn't all that good and the combine is pretty mediocre so why bad are you, combine why, yeah, why actually are you still having him inside your top ten. yeah his athletic profile
1: is terrible and it is worth mentioning mcginn's sources are definitely more like old guard than the new uh McGinn was often the source of or M- McGinn's sources were often uh those anonymous scout quotes where it's like you can even see like the same guy's syntax over the years because there's like this one guy who just just he's got a few blockheaded sources basically, and there's this one guy who who always says he can't play. Like that's the analysis for All the right. Can't play. Can't play him. He's close. Stuff like that. And it's like that's that's a film guy that that is a film guy for sure so film guys love Riley Ridley even now and I don't know why I think they're just basically playing a trick on themselves at this point um but it's funny uh, I don't care if they you know want to keep if, if they want to put money on that that's like something I wouldn't advise but it's kind of funny I don't know it's it's ridiculous to stand by Riley Ridley as anything more than like a top me I don't think he'd be in my top 20 25 like he's just not good that's strong um but yeah so it, it's you could argue like well then aren't you worried that they're being dumb guy brain about me hardman too and i'm like no nah, because that's just uh they're being right that time yeah that's about a, it? yeah that's that's my uh, retort to you so <laughs> he can play yeah so that uh, the dumb guy scout quotes a guy is is bad and wrong for saying riley ridley at six but he's he's right on the hardman part that's just uh that's that's the standard the app that's like that's that's a principle i'm willing to work with here
2: you know it's funny and then gil brandt also released his his like positional top tens this week and you know obviously like a god of scouting um but he had ridley still in his top 10 and it's, kelvin harman it's in his it's top old guard well, stuff is crazy like ridley i i Again, like some the people that really like certain things about him, like they're going to keep banging that his gamble, name. But, but like, yeah, um but with Harmon, it's like his combine was so disastrous that there's no way you can have him inside your top
1: ten. Yeah, he might have added some, just like not bad weight, and that it, you know, it's not fat, but you can add bad muscle that's not useful in any way. And it's it, may, maybe he's more like a six three two oh five guy when he's playing really well at North Carolina State, but maybe he added. You know a little bit weight to, he was like pushing 220 or something like that and had very sluggish testing all around so um it's one of those things where it's like maybe he just sheds that weight becomes a better player but it's also one of those things where maybe his game doesn't translate very well to the nfl if he's only 205 210 like maybe he needs to have like a bully build I don't know. Uh, Do but,
2: either of these lists have J.J. arcega Sega Whiteside? Uh, no. Uh,
1: no? So no it's very not. wrong for that reason. Um, I'm I'm cool with the top four, five even. I think Paris Campbell is very good. I'm sold on him at this point. I'm more agnostic on Debo than most people. I've, but it, I've gotten in on Debo late here. Right. I, th- I, th- I basically think he's good, and I'm just too high on guys like Mecole Hardman, Emmanuel Hall. Andy Isabella is not ranked in this top 10 either uh but yeah him white Whiteside it's not even close for me like I'm taking those guys over Debo every single time I'm not hedging a bit there but to me it's like Debo's like a really good third round prospect and like a acceptable mid to late second rounder um I'm just I think guys like Emmanuel Hall Hardman etc could be down the line we look back and we're like they would have been totally good top 20 picks so um that's the way i see it i I, i'm just not the person who's going to be picking him in a class like this but if if it were a weaker receiver class i'd i'd be much easier sold on the idea of him being like a top 40 pick but i I just i wouldn't do it myself
2: yeah picking between Debo and Hardman, after, after rewatching some Debo this week, it would be really, really tough. And I think, like, the cluster. So, right now, I have it AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Hollywood Brown, JJ Arcega Whiteside as, as my first tier, and then Paris Campbell and Keel Harry, Emmanuel Hall. Uh, <coughs> debo samuel and then a split between butler and isabella like 10 a and 10 b
1: yeah it's um it's also worth mentioning that this class is very deep and this list cuts off at 10 and both these
2: guys had butler at eight uh, actually so uh, i know we're we're like at once referencing and also tra- trashing these lists but at the same time you know like i think it is important to point out again that like the butler stuff might have gotten over its skis
1: oh yeah it got out of control and you it's a just it's an easy case study in media agenda setting you can see where it came from and how it got picked up and circulated and validated and it just became like a manufactured consensus basically um people people definitely lost their minds a little bit watching the tape and stuff and it's like yeah it's entertaining tape but uh people are people are making like these downright like like superstitious kinds of analysis with oh, the, them. The,
2: the drop stuff, like the the mental gymnastics that people are doing about the drops is like pretty wild. It's like I've broken down the source of drops into three yeah, different buckets and uh hakeem Butler even though he drops a ton of them, they're in the least concerning bucket of of the They three. basically go like
1: q and on about it. Like they're just they're just like you know looking for uh arbitrary numbers placed in random places and they're just like look th- this means this and, and th- th- the explanation for the drop is the ball was you know it like s- a lack of focus some somebody had that too somebody was eating popcorn on the sideline and they had butter on their fingers and something something and like, here he is like big red uh like circle on the frozen blurry footage or something <laughs> It's ridiculous it's like people are just being insane about it he's a totally good prospect but this idea that he's just these things that he is are he, he is objectively not it's weird it's like he, it's a it's not megatron he, he's he's athletically very similar to like darren waller who i think is good um but you know he was he was like a six round pick you know what i mean like it's there's there's no obvious the plaxico burris stuff is just not true I, I that's did you guys not watch plaxico burris i mean come on yeah he's awesome he, he was And butler could be good like i i think he's a totally good like second third round pick it's just like the, the perspective has gotten completely lost and it's like i, I do this often but like i i remain agnostic on a lot of things believe it or not like I don't try to start with a conclusion and then justify it working outward from there uh, I try to let kind of like other people do the work for me in a lot of ways and I, I listen to what people's arguments are for certain players and I had no investment in any particular position on Hakeem Butler but it's like I got to these just hysterical arguments for him and I watched these people lay out the reasoning like oh yeah, I don't believe you. Uh, whatever you're saying based on these things is not true. And I, I'm just skipping uh, the conclusion here. Um, and that's definitely the case with Butler. Cause it was like, I, I assumed he like, yeah, he's pretty good. We'll see. And get into reading these things. And it's like, whatever the outcome with him uh this stuff is wrong like this this stuff is not correct and uh he could be great he could be the best receiver in the class for all i know but uh the the nature of the things that have happened are being just completely misunderstood in the meantime
2: yeah it's it's been like he's probably had the the strangest receiver like narrative trajectory over over the course of this draft season you know going from like this you know people like to like puff their chests out like oh you know like i discovered this hakeem butler guy to to now it's you know gone to this presumed (laughs) almost megatron like there's
1: there's a belief in in some parts of the industry that hakeem butler is the best receiver and david montgomery is the best running back in this draft and it's uh Nonsense! You can't. You cannot. Ju- you cannot substantiate that. They will. They will delete those tweets
2: uh, within two years.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's it's just uh it's it's fine to be a fan of players and be like rooting for them and stuff. But like, are we fans or are we trying to predict what's going to happen? You know, it's like David Montgomery is basically Marcel's ship. Uh, he his best case outcome is probably something like Chris Carson, something like that. Um, could could have a totally fine career, but he's just not remarkable as a prospect he's not the best running back if he is then butler is like if he if if montgomery is the best running back in this class then butler is like the 20th best receiver or something like you don't have a precisely average nationwide offense in the in the big 12 with the best running back and the best receiver in the class it's that's not how things work
2: wow yeah no that's that's a great way to frame it i think and uh yeah i mean it, it is true like that for both their productions and namely Montgomery Butler had really good production this year, but um, yeah, Montgomery to be a career, you know, four and a half yards a carry type guy over an extremely large sample when you have a guy like Darrell Henderson who Darrell has, Henderson is so much better yes like he's just so like that's my favorite 8.9 yards of carry over two years of significant significant workloads but also not being overworked like you could argue Montgomery was
1: yeah i fr- there's not that much that I believe firmly about this running back class because it's just not very good and I don't feel like trying to crack its code that much i don't think it's that significant whatever the answer is uh but henderson is the best one in my opinion and i i think he's in his own tier as far as the running back position goes he's my favorite uh that prop bet on the Fanduel sports book about the first running back selected um i I believe he was ninth in their odds ranking behind guys like rodney anderson devin singletary Uh-oh. um so if if you can get him at that ninth ranked odds for first running back i really like that yeah that would that god ninth that is that's wild i might be mis. I'm, I'm trying to recall by you know memory it, it, it would but he was not in the first like two lines he, You had to expand the list of players to find him oh, for first running gross.
2: back that's that's pretty insane to me i'd be surprised if he's you know below like the third pick uh, of the receiver or running backs i'm sorry
1: right if he's if he's later than the third running back picked i that that's just going to be embarrassing for uh, the people who
2: pick the other ones i think so too man that'd just be something else but uh that's gonna wrap things up uh for date for today's show appreciate you all listening we'll be back next week with one more edition uh we'll be dropping this earlier than we than we normally do obviously because if we drop this at this time next week, uh, it, the draft I'm, will be like. Yeah, ready. it's going to be like
1: a uh, you know a scheduled emergency episode, and all that's really going to happen is I'll just be having like a really serious like crisis style meltdown about how Daniel Jones keeps having his projection raised, and like I'll I'll just be kind of like uh, departing from reality and and falling into
2: the pits of madness, uh, and we'll record that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Actually, that's a great endorsement for next week's show. So, for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the RotoWire NFL podcast.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.